Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Lighter Mind podcast. My name is Kyle, and I am joined with the two most intelligent and interesting people in the room right now, Crow and Alan. And how are you two rascals doing this afternoon? Doing great today. Doing fantastic. I like that. The two most intelligent. We're the only ones. Yeah. Well, Well, we aren't counting the dogs. You're probably smarter than all three of us. It's all about humility here. It really is. This is that, that kind of show. Absolutely. So, Crow, what's what's going on today, man? You know, uh, just having a great day. I'm excited about this whole venture that you concocted, Kyle. This is, uh, where did you come up with this anyhow? Why did did you, where, where did this stem from? So, the Lighter Mind is an idea that you and I have actually, I mean, conversations that I've had with you have sitting down in having coffee at a coffee shop over the last several months. I, I started thinking that you and I dig deep when we converse. We, we talk about spirituality and our recovery programs, and we talk about life and growth as human beings and everything. And I thought it was about time that we we start recording it and start sharing some of the information and the experiences that we have gained over our lifetimes and our experiences and our struggles. And I thought that it could potentially be helpful for people who are suffering from any type of uh, addictions or mental illnesses or who anyone who's just having a bad day and needs a little pick-me-up and some some wisdom, some experience and strength and hope to be able to guide people through some of the muck of life. And I've always enjoyed, enjoyed having conversations with you and Alan. And so I thought there, there really couldn't be a better time to, to do something like this than now. Well, it would it would seem so because they've always gone from an hour coffee date to about four hours and every time <clears throat> holding up the coffee shop. <laughs> but yeah. I have no idea what we talk about, but uh, but they 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 leave me in a much better space, uh, bouncing thoughts off you, and uh, boy, I, I wish I could remember some of our themes, but I think you're going to remind me. <laughs> Something tells me. <laughs> Um, that uh, I know there's always a lot of a lot of great laughs in it, and that uh, that I think is what we need right off the bat. Is you got to have a deep, deep sense of humor when you're approaching yourself, um, right, right from the get go. So anybody listening, you you got to have uh, quite a sense of humor. You have uh, to through this process because I learned. 
early on, really early on in life, but I kind of stopped when I was in the throes of my addiction to really stop laughing at myself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I really did not want to get to that space. Uh, but uh, So, yeah, you guys have definitely brought that out in me. Um, this allows me that space to, to, to do that. So. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. What does that speak into? Humility? I would well? say I would say probably humility. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And a lot of this, a lot of the conversations going back to kind of touch on what you were saying, that I'm going to remind you of some of the conversations. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, a lot of the stuff that I practice in my, my daily recovery program are things that I have, a lot of the things recently are things that I've learned from you. And I, I try to dig as deep as I possibly can into the, the meaning of what you have to say and how that actually shows up in a practical way in my life. And how can I bring that, that knowledge forward to other people? And so I think that having conversations as, as the three of us do, you know, where we're talking about ideas instead of gossiping and doing, you know, whatever, whatever, I think it's, it's valuable for me on a very, very deep level because it, it really, it helps me bring a level of vulnerability to not just the conversations, but it allows me to show up in a more vulnerable, a vulnerable way in life, I think. Nice. I think that's a great, we've mentioned two things right off the bat there, right? We've, we've talked about humility. We've talked about vulnerability. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think there's a better place to start digging in with uh, anybody that's, that's, Trying to attain a lighter mind. I mean, trying to attain any sense of uh, um, recovery of any kind. My case, to be honest with you, it's sobriety. You know, I've been on that journey now for years, and uh, um, that has that in itself is sort of the dig, you know. And I love that you named this the lighter mind um, because that isn't that the quest to get lighter to be lighter, to be unencumbered, uh, to be unattached, um, I think was one of the things that we started to get into, the three of us last week, is attachment. And I know, Alan, that's a big one on you, that you, uh, uh, he pulls that one out on me all the time. Yeah, loves it. Yeah, he does, <laughs> he does. He, he, yeah. he corrects me, you know, keeps me on course if I'm, if I'm uh, come over to his house and I'm complaining, he says, "All right, stop. Mm-hmm. Let's get you know you're derailed. Mm-hmm. What are you attached to in this moment? And what are is it? Where are you off? So to have that sort of backboard, you describe that I'm that to you. Uh, I think we all have. This is uh, this is a, a a journey of everybody's gleaning something from everybody. Absolutely. At some point. And uh, some of your stories that that you've told me are just amazing about your journey. And I think I've learned the most not in what you've 
said through knowledge, but the knowledge of your experience, your strength, your what it took for you. And uh, I, that just leaves me floored. And I think that's where we glean the most is through the way each each person's story breathes. It's like, yeah, metaphorically, yeah, there's a little bit of me in there too, Kyle. And as horrible as you think yours may sound or Alan's or whoever's, we got something, we got something to share. Mm-hmm. So there's always a, that's what I love about our coffee dates because you're telling me stories that are blowing my mind. And uh, I, I guess I'm just trying to wrap language around the experiences I've had. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It is hard. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do. And and I think that that's where, that's where the idea of the lighter mind came in. I really think to be able to kind of segue that back in, I think that that's, that's, that's what we're doing here, to be able to share our deepest experiences and be vulnerable and to, um, to be able to welcome other people into this conversation that we have right now. Absolutely. That will be fun down the road is to get, uh, which you've already got lined up. We're going to have some guests <clears throat> coming onto the program, which I think is fantastic. Absolutely, um, yes. Some people who are a little bit more qualified than we are. Right. You know, in, in particular areas of mental health and addiction, and, you know, that will be able to shed some light on some things that we don't know all the answers to, which is fine. Exactly. They can, again, wrap the language around mm-hmm. the knowing and a lot of that. That I think, I think the big component for me, and I know for all of us, is that we've gone through those, those trials in our life, and we're, we're trying to reach out through knowledge, books, podcasts of every kind, YouTube videos. We're trying to find out if is if there's a name for that. (laughs) Decode the mystery kind of thing. And is there a name for what I'm experiencing? And I might or what I experienced, because I can't I can't possibly be the only one that has had you know a mystical experience, um, um just different dreams, whatever. It's like something, somebody else out there has to have experienced this. And that in itself is the funnest part about getting to, to know, know thyself Absolutely. As, it, as it really goes. It's, it's always digging deeper into yourself. It's like, you know, I think you guys can agree, you almost become your best hobby. And uh, especially when you can get critical on yourself, then that small habit of constantly studying yourself just it, it, it becomes a, a sort of a rhythm of life. And uh, that's when the, you know, and if I get off track, I just come over to Allen's and he sets me. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was a few years ago when you told me that when you got off the path, you would just lay down until someone would come along and pick you up and get you back on it. Because we were talking, I think, about how I felt like I was way off the path. And, you know, I, you know, I think uh, the, the path 
that you're on and we're all kind of on are similar, but different. Everyone's path is different, but I think the goal is the same. And I think we discussed that before that whole, I believe it was a Nietzsche quote where he said, well, the point of life is, is a point where you're currently at a goal. And then that line, you know, I think everyone thinks that line is going to be incredibly straight. And what I think we have found is it curls around and doubles back and goes up over hills. And then yes. you get over that to the top of that hill and realize it's a cliff. So you got to either jump and hope you live or turn around and go back and try to get back on that path. And that's where guys like you guys help because all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm in a terrible place. What's going on? Right. You know, yeah. But we've all been in a terrible place. All three of us in this room have been in terrible oh, places. Horrible. Yeah. 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 <laughs> until, you, until you then get into Joseph Campbell and you read about the hero's journey and you realize, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm right where I'm yeah, supposed to be. Part, it's part of my journey. It's just part of my journey. Part of everybody's right. journey mm-hmm. in there. Each step of that way, too, you, you start to gain a little more grace and forgiveness for yourself going, okay, okay, these are all, all of these mistakes are made me uh, who, who I am. I wouldn't be anything less if I hadn't. Yeah, and I think the the problem that a lot of people have is they make the mistakes, they start just beating themselves up, right? Mm -hmm. They maybe turn to some substance to make that mistake feel less less painful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you kind of get into the abyss rather than staying on the path. You go into this darkness, and it's, you know, really hard to get out of. Yeah, you jump into that shame spiral is really right, what it ends right. up being. And you the you end up flogging yourself mentally to a certain extent. Instead of just acknowledging that we did the best that we could despite the circumstances that we were going right, through. Right. And it really is about being able to show ourselves a little bit of compassion along this journey as as painful and as ugly as this journey is we need to love ourselves a little bit deeper deeper yeah and that's probably the hardest thing to do you know we had this conversation and and i remember after i did the mast and kip book the 40 based on you know the joseph campbell the 40 day thing and uh you know, came up that I had this purpose of loving myself and showing other people that, how loving yourself can make your life better. And, you know, one day I went and said, I'm going to tell myself that I love myself in the mirror, and I couldn't. Like, it was so, yeah. so yeah. hard. Yeah, right. You know, now I do. I'm like, hey, baby, I love you. <laughs> you know, that's great. Yeah. But I had told one of, one of my wife's friends that and she said she couldn't go and look in the mirror and say I love you to herself mm-hmm. which is terrible because if you can't love yourself can you love anyone else right now you know no. you can't so you know this this self-work is incredibly hard because it really opens up a lot like when I did that mast and kip thing I was in there journaling and crying because yeah. I was dealing sure. with a bunch of trauma from my childhood that I had held down for 50 plus years. Yep. You know, I didn't want to access those memories and reopen those wounds, but it was cathartic and it was like, you know, like metaphorically vomiting up just blackness from my soul. 
And I think I came out the other side and, you know, thinking that it was really a positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody wants to voluntarily go into that room. Right. And that's the hard thing, you know, that, that shadow work or whatever you want to call it, that dealing with that dark part of what's inside of you. And we all have it, you know? Yeah. And luckily, you know, I mean, the good thing is being able to control it or get rid of it. Right. All for the aim of coming back to self. Right. To love to yourself. your true self. To right? your true yeah. self. But you can't find, I, I, I wonder, I don't know, you guys, if you can find that true self until you begin even lower at the lower level of loving. Loving before I go out through imagination and through per- changing my perception to find my real self. Well, I've got to begin with yeah, some the, place. The, the trouble with loving goes back to you and talking about being vulnerable. Yeah. Right. When you love someone truly, and it doesn't, I'm not, I'm talking about, you know, platonic love, not even romantic love, whatever kind of love. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's really, for some people, really hard to be like, I told my brother once in my life that I love him and it was probably right a year during COVID, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, it's awkward. Right, and I, yeah, you know, right. and so tell that that just that's these walls we build, you know, this like defense system that just builds over time, and maybe it, you know, probably comes from being young and whatever traumas happen to you, but you build these defenses, like, well, if I tell this person that I love them, then they can hurt me. Yeah, yes. you know? you're handing over right. your power. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of a lot of the the fear around that comes back to this this sense of inadequacy that I carry around with me. And through digging through some of the the recovery material that I have gone through, I have found that my my greatest fear is that I don't think I'm good enough. And so my vulnerability, I I I'm unable to be vulnerable because I don't want people to confirm the fact that I'm not good enough. Right. And so it's, and, and that, that shows up in every single aspect of my life, whether that yeah. be, I mean, with telling a, a family member that I love them or, or, or just, you know, asking for a raise at work or doing, doing right. anything right. like that. It all, it all kind of plays into this, um, this crisis if I don't think I'm good enough. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I have similar uh, thoughts. You know, I was talking to my mom years ago about growing up, and she said, as a child, we go to the playground. And she's like, you could do the swing higher than anyone. She's like, you were unbelievable. But she's like, as soon as another kid would stop, show up, you would stop. Because and in my mind, it was like, I can't, this kid might be better than me. This kid might be judging me. What if I'm not as good? You know, what if he jumps at the high point, which was a fear of mine, like mm-hmm. kids that could jump off the swing and land. I never liked that, but I could swing. Like I always felt like I could, and I know I was going higher than anyone because I was a fat little kid. You know? <laughs> so I, gra- I, gra- I, gra- I had gravity on my side. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I mean, that, uh, I think that's a similarity you and I have in that, you know, you don't feel adequate. You don't feel yeah. good enough. Um, and, you know, I think finding the root of that 
and digging it out is is really mm-hmm. to me one of the biggest parts of my thing is like you know it's, I don't want to sound like Stuart Smalley on Saturday Night Live but I'm good enough you know, <laughs> you know? so um, and people like me you know so yes well, that's the great question right there because what you guys have just described is is to me the descriptors right this is how it shows up is that insecurity mm-hmm. and that's uh, and that and that sense of you know insecurity not good enough and will i be, you know it always comes back to as as campbell points out what will people think of me absolutely right, right. you know absolutely. and and there at the core of that before we even branch out with all those different walls of insecurity and all that is how does one go about that deep sense of self-love that that confidence and security within so that seed within us is we know it inherently and act from the place where we know it inherently that that core within me that no one can touch is divine just perfect Always has been and always will be. And and how do we get back to that place when we're 30, 40 years old and we have, you know, or 25 and we pretty much have nailed life all along. We came up with all our answers, right? We did everything the way it's, we think through our perception that we've supposed to do everything. And now all of a sudden, you know, in the, in the context that we're talking about, um, is something cracks that, something upends us, and um, we have to get back to, to finding that. Um, how many layers upon layers of that sort of work? Um, and I think that it speaks to the, you closing the door going in there, and just bawling your eyes out, right? Is that what it took for you to go in to do that shadow self? That yeah, I think shadow so. work. You know, I mean, I've been working on it for years, and you know, um, but I think that was really the when the, the dam broke. Okay, right? so you're saying so it's a like, process. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, I read the Four Agreements and a ton of books. It had been 10, 15, 10 years of. You know, reading these books that are supposed to help you, and, and you know, you glean something from them, and it sticks. But that one really was the dam breaking, and then realizing that, you know, where I needed to be and what where my big issue was, and it was really that, you know, kind of I don't even know what it is if it's shame or anxiety, guilt, whatever that causes that, you know that not loving yourself and not having confidence. And, you know, I mean, everyone always thought when I was younger, like, that I speak my mind, which I did, but... Yeah, you, know. you were pretty fearless. Yeah. I never really bold. worried, but I think part of that was to not be vulnerable. A, I was super sarcastic, and, you know, I, I still love being that. Um, and, uh, but I would, you know, immediately kind of just say what was on my mind, not care about hurting people's feelings. And it was this wall of like, don't mess with me. 
you know, rather than I'm super comfortable with who I am and I'm just going to tell you how it is, which is now what it is. So it's kind of the same thing as I say what I'm thinking, but it's not out of defense. It's more like, hey, dude, you've fallen down. I'm to help you stand up and yeah, don't be a dope, right. you know, or whatever. So, yeah. um, so it was good to have those that skill that I used as defense mm-hmm. to translate it um, to being not on offense, but mm-hmm. for instead of using it for negative purpose, I can use it for a positive purpose. For right. growth. Yeah, you right. you fed it into your sense of authenticity at right. this point. Right. And what I I I think I heard you say is that you know earlier you said that. You know, you, sometimes you got to just lie down on the path. I love that, that you reminded me of that, because that's what we often have to do. And we have to listen and not give up, not stop. So as you said, that, that your journey has taken you where you've read a ton of books for years, nothing really sticks right. until one is the big damn breaker. Right. Because that is a form of one metaphorically to to lie in that path right yeah. of transformation is what what we're talking about here right this is what I believe Kyle the lighter mind is all about is that interior transformation it's it's, it's what we're all after right philosopher's stone I guess but um, I like that you you haven't stopped and you said that right. Yeah, and, you know, it, there's challenges. You know, there's days I wake up, and it's pretty dark in my head, you know, yeah. and I'm like, yep. all right. And, then, yep. you know, then I'm like, wow, what's the freaking point? Even, you know, there'll be times recently. and But it used to be every day of my life from when I was, like, five until, you know, the past ten years I wake up, and like, today's it, man. I'm going to kill myself. There's no point. Which, right. which became habits and patterns in your behavior. Right. And, that you just right. developed, and that was the way it was. Right, and what Marcus Aurelius, you know, says is the, the color of your thoughts color your soul. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you just have dark thoughts all the time, then your soul becomes that way. So, to me, you know, it was kind of that staring into that abyss, that just black hole, and saying, all right, what am I going to fill this with because I'm sick of this? So you start letting the light in, right? Yep. Yeah. And then Absolutely. the light starts coming in. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this is good. And you can take that light, and hopefully it shines bright enough inside of you that you can start filling the hole in other people. Yeah. Or, and, and, or lighting the path. Maybe lighting the path is better. Yeah, right? I like yeah, that. I like so, that a lot. Yeah. Lighting so, the path. Seeing the, right. the world is not, the cup is not half empty. That's right. what we're... I've had a... A similar experience, but when I was looking into that black abyss within myself, I actually went into the hole and made friends with it. And that's where I, I had a very, very profound experience in my early recovery where we did a guided meditation. And the meditation was said, the instructor told us to picture a house. And a picture that we're on the middle floor and everything's great. This is where happiness lays. This is where our recovery and our love and everything is. 
And then in the basement is supposed to be our addiction. And the addiction likes to bang on the door and try to get out and it tries to ruin the happiness and love and everything on the middle floor. And I had a profound experience where I had actually gone into the basement and I gave my addiction self, whatever the personification of that was, I gave him a hug. And I told him that you're okay, you're safe, you're loved, you're supported. And I made friends with that darkness in me. And I think that that really plays into the duality of who I am, where it's like Jordan Peterson says is, you know, be a monster and then learn how to control it. And I think that we're, and by doing that, the darkness in me, I feel like is more willing to let in that light. And that makes it easier for me to be able to light the path for others because I'm so, I'm so aware of the darkness within me and the capability of the destroyer in me. But at the same point with being a destroyer, I also have the ability to be able to create and to be able to help others and share my experience, strength and hope and help others grow along this, along this journey. And like you were saying, I'm able to light, you know, kind of shed some light on the darkness because my darkness is not unique to me. You know, I know that there are others who, whose behavior shows up in the same way, who have the same fears and insecurities that I do, but it is profound for me to be able to not have this constant tug of war with the darkness in me, but to be able to like meet in the middle and shake hands. Right. And I think you got to welcome those, those things. Like, you know, I found that when I would have like, oh man, you know, and we had this conversation about my Irish friend that said, you know, I, you don't say I am depressed, say depression is upon me or sadness is upon me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, that I found that uh, if I would just welcome it, like, oh, you're here, okay, well, hang out for a while and then you can leave. Yeah, there's no. And it works, to it. you know. If you fight it, like, oh, this sucks. It just seems like it, it, it's taking that energy, like this energy that you have, right? You can either feed, you know, it's that goes back to the good wolf, bad wolf thing, right? Right. So you just you're just feeding this darkness, and and mm-hmm. it doesn't get better. You're like, well, this just keeps getting worse, mm-hmm. right? So. For me, I'm like, okay, you're here, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to live my life, and you'll go away, because you always do. And yeah. to me, that's, that's made it much more bearable, like, eh, whatever. It's upon me, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And so your new habit has become watching your thoughts, not... Right, not um, being your thoughts. Being your thoughts, right. absolutely. Yeah. This is, There's an important distinction in there. Oh, huge, and that takes a lot of time. Well, and that's super hard, right? Like to not associate with your thoughts, you know. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. like these thoughts aren't me. But what is, you know? So then you get into this like super existential, philosophical thing. Like, okay, so then what is me? What am I? You right. Know? And and you're like. I am not my thoughts. Right, I'm not, not my, my body, mind. I'm not my thoughts, you right. know, so what am I? Yeah. And that that sometimes, you're like, well, then I'm nothing. But being nothing is sometimes really good, right? It like, can be. Yeah, and you know, you. I think, again, it was Marcus Aurelius, one of those guys talking about how you are a 
speck of dust on the bottom of the shoe and you know like mm-hmm. it, there's there, you're nothing like right. everyone like you get everyone gets so wrapped up in their lives that they think they're the center of the universe but then you see a picture like you know like an artist representation of the universe and yeah. like you know the earth is this little tiny 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 dot in the middle yeah. of nothing yeah. and yeah. you're a tiny tiny dot of nothing in the middle of nothing in the middle of bigger nothing yeah, yeah. you know infinite nothing so yeah um, it does make it easier it makes <laughs> to know easier. that it's kind yeah, of the, but Horton, it, I think the Horton Hears a Who with Dr. Seuss I think he had that nailed beautifully in yeah. when he did that I love that as a kid never understood it yeah, never understood that. I just love the the you know the animation, but that was one of my favorites, most entertaining. But it wasn't until I was, of course, an adult that I could understand right. exactly what he's saying. And uh, but um, yeah, Kyle, you had said something beautiful too that that, that wrapped into Alan's point of your journey. And creator, you use that word. You could you could uh, start being creator of your own your own journey. Well, in yeah. essence, and what I what I, I was thinking was that it got me thinking about the fact that that's what we're here to do. We're here to co-create. Yeah. Right. If we got a higher power, we got the universe. We got what uh, what what the all, the source, the mind. Whatever you want to call that, uh, uh, think greater than yourself. It's better than you. Um, Commonage consciousness, we could say. But it it it. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. I'll come back it's to okay. that. I'll come back around. <laughs> so it's a so piggyback on what you were saying. You you had actually, in a conversation that we had had four or five months ago, you had sh- like had shined light on the creator in me. Because there was, some, there was a profound conversation that we had had where I was in a, a point in my life where I was, I was dealing with a bunch of trauma and abandonment issues and all kinds of things that were going on. And I was just letting life happen to me. Like you, like you were kind of saying, is I was, I was letting my thoughts control me. I was letting my situations control me, and I wasn't. I was just kind of laying down and taking the beating from life. And the way that you had described it was that you were the creator of your own life and your own experience and your own perception and your own reality. And I started to really dig deep into like, what does that actually mean for Kyle? What does it mean to actually wake up in the morning and choose happiness or to choose how I'm showing up in certain situations or choose where I'm putting my energy into and choose who I'm giving love to and who I'm giving my time to. And it's, it really gave me the pick me up that I needed to be able to create the life that Kyle wants. Nice. Nice. And back at you there, buddy, because what that did is, is you were in that moment. You were the co-creator to that spark, that that thing within you that was divine because by you, you living your life the way you have, you shared your story. So now that is like 
of which we all are, the co-creator, and we're called to do that, uh, it is through the manifestation of our experiences shared that now I got something. Just by you telling your story, I got a tremendous amount. I learned a tremendous amount about me. Just by you sharing your story, um, that uh, speaks into vulnerability. You, 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 both of you, having to do your work, do your inner work, take that risk, take the plunge, letting go to the point where we get to that phase where we have to, the letting go, you know, we're basically releasing as the image goes. We're letting go of the edge of the bank of the river and we're just, you know, instead of the afraid of the current going to sweep us uh, out, we just push off from the bank and we just let go and we let ourselves just go downstream in the current of life. And it's by you doing that both of you, taking those risks, um, you, you, you come back with a new incarnation, a new piece of art. And that is the thing I love about it. And it's none of it's possible without breaking through the barrier of, oh my God, I have to change. Oh, how... I can't imagine change, anything changing. I got my house. I got my, I got my job. I got my my life. You know, don't move the furniture on me here. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah. like don't move a thing. My schedule at work is perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've got my nucleus. I got my shoes right where I want them. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and the minute something changes, oh my god. Yeah. Then it's like if that one thing changes metaphorically and in a sort of connectedness way, everything in my life has to change. And now I don't know how to handle change. Um, so I think one begets another. You learn that letting go process is what I think I heard you guys say. Right. Well, it's scary though, right? I mean, we all like going back to my, you've got your house and you got your security and these learned behaviors or whatever they are growing that it's easy, right? This is, yes. it's, it's easy. It's not necessarily good. Like you could be in a dark place and be there for a long time and it's easy. It's easy to just be where I'm at. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you yeah. killing that is hard. Like, you know, and I killing think we've what? had this no. conversation. Killing that, that we've had this conversation before, and this is kind of sidetracking about every night it's a metaphoric death, and you wake up the next day and you can be whoever you want to be and change whatever you want. Yes. But people don't want to die that way, right? Like yeah. metaphorically dying. Because it's easy to get up, do the same thing every day. Yeah. You know, get the paycheck, live the life. Even though inside you're miserable, you're unhappy, yeah, you know, and you, and you're like, wow, well, I could be more, but I'm not gonna. I don't want to. I fear change. I fear change because that you don't know what that that entails, right? You don't know what if you say, screw it, I'm gonna quit my job and chase my dream. 
Oh, and you're going to be living under a bridge in a year because you chased your dream and you failed. Right. Yeah. But if you don't try, yeah, you never. then try. in another year, you're going to be like, wow, I should have done that because here another year's passed, closer to dying, and I'm still in the exact place I was. No, absolutely. Right. And I, yeah. So, that, that, so that's the challenge of do you stay static in this place where you're at? And maybe you're super happy. Maybe... You know, you're like, this is great. I love everything about my life. And I love my job. And it's easy. You know. And that's good. Right? I mean, and who am I to judge? If you, like, love going to whatever. Like, you know, I was talking to some people this weekend. And they said how they knew a guy. um, Had a little, this is in the 60s. Had a little house down in Fountain by a pond. Never had two nickels rubbed together. Tiny little, like. 400 square foot house, happiest person I'd ever met. I, I don't doubt yeah, it. I, went yeah, to, you I don't know, doubt it. Went no. to his job, whatever he did, went home and fished at the pond every day after work. Like, you know, like a pig and poo, right? Yeah. Happy yeah. as, <laughs> you know, as all get together out. And then you see these like billionaires that jump off of buildings because they're miserable. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of like that find your bliss thing. What, what makes you happy? Yeah. But to get there, you know, sometimes it's easy. Like that guy was like, <laughs> I got a pond out back. I go sit there, crack a frosty cold beer, whatever he did. I, yeah. you know, I don't know the bigger picture of his life, but, you know, incredibly happy. And then you see people, I mean, Chris, you've told me about people in your, in work that you work with, you know, clients that have, you know, McLarens and, you know, incredibly cars. If you're into cars, you're like holy cow, that's a great car. Yeah, and, it's a beautiful house. Yeah, it's and beautiful they're, everything. they're addicts, right? Because they're trying to fill that hole. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, yeah, you can be just as sad driving a McLaren as you can anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, like uh, Peterson talks yeah. about that as well. You yeah. don't can't judge right. the guy driving down past you. Yeah, and that's you yeah. know, like I see people all the time, like you know, like. I saw a thing where, like, most people that drive BMWs are up to their eyeballs in debt, but they yeah. got to look good, right? Yeah. You know, so, um, so you know, I think trying to, again, that know thyself and becoming who you genuinely are is the big challenge, right? In this modern world where everyone has this idea of what, great is and what great lives are like you know the, the dude that's down there fishing at his fishing hole and you know he's not going to be like put him on tiktok people are like it's what? some old dude fishing yeah, exactly. but, it's not yeah, cool. yeah right. right inside the guy is incredibly happy and just like loves life yeah. whereas you know he's not like reaching for that dopamine hit not reaching for that yeah oh god i need people to love me so Oh, I didn't get enough likes, you know? Yeah. What's really important to you? I mean, I think it comes down to priorities. And I think people like that guy that's fishing down by the pond, I think he has his priorities in check. Right. And I think that, I think we get so caught up in this, this rat race, like you were talking about, chasing the likes and chasing the car and the house. And, and I think that we forget about, do I actually enjoy doing what I'm doing right now? And I think that a lot of people, myself included over the years, have have not stopped to ask that question. Like, do I actually enjoy what I'm doing right now? 
And I think within that lies finding your bliss. Absolutely. And what do I care about? Oh, yeah. What do I care? Which, to me, sort of translates into my focus, my intention, my attention. Because then when I, I can empower that, my attention prolonged becomes my intention. And then pretty soon that's that's energy in it. And, uh, um, yeah, absolutely. But here's the question that I can throw out. What do you guys think on this one? Is that I could have worked hard for all of these things, and it's not much, perhaps, and it's a very humble, meager existence that I have. I love everything that I have and not I love what I want or anything to that extent. But then how do I know if I'm getting, again, used to that and not wanting to change again? Am I really, really comfortable, even in a most meager of uh, circumstances on it? on an outward, you know, expression of that, I guess. But, but, um, but how do I know when I'm arresting, when I'm stopping my own personal growth? Uh, does that make sense? How do I know when um, I've settled and I'm not going for more change? Um, even though I'm content, I'm happy now, kind of thing, a person can tell you, but they're doing the same thing on a very humble, humble scale. Does that make? I think that makes sense. I think going back to another conversation that we had had over coffee a while ago is that I, I think for me it comes down to the ability to be self-aware about where I am at mentally, being watchful of my thoughts, mindful of where I'm at, and having the ability, and it's something that I'm practicing on a daily basis, is being able to, something that I know you do, which I learned from you, is being able to do that, the, the full body assessment of where, where am I at today, where are my thoughts at, and really being critical to a certain extent of, you know, I'm happy today, but am I really happy? And like, what are, you know, what are, the, what are the things in my life that could be better? And being honest with ourselves about, am I actually doing the best that I can? You know, am I actually, am I actually trying my best in my relationship? Am I actually showing up to my full potential at my job? Am I actually going as hard as I can at the gym or whatever it might be, I think for me, I have to constantly question and kind of psychoanalyze where is Kyle at? Because I fall into this place of complacency and I, and I become comfortably numb with where, with where I'm at sometimes. Yes. And going back to what Alan was saying is, or to kind of piggyback on that, is that sometimes in my life, it's, om it's almost better for me to be in a worse position than it is to be comfortably numb because it motivates me if I'm in a bad position to be able to like get better. 
But when we're in this place of contentment and everything is everything's good right now, I'm happy, I like my humble existence, I like my house, I like my car, you know, whatever that may be, I think that we, we have to dig a little bit deeper, but not to the point of obsessing over like sometimes it's just okay to be where we're at. And I have to I have to acknowledge that sometimes because there's the part of me that's been in throughout my recovery, I have been constantly trying to grow over the last six and a half years and I become exhausted and I become burnt out. And sometimes I just have to remember that like it's okay for me to be content in this moment. And to also acknowledge that I have some other things that I have to work on and I'll deal with those things when I get there. And so it's, and I think that that in, that, that's where my humility lies is acknowledging that like, this is where I'm at right now. Cause I think that for me personally, I will always have things to work on. I will always have, I, I can always be a better communicator. I can always be more vulnerable with people. I can always reduce my amount of sarcasm. I can always... Not there, possible. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, mean I mean, who knows? There's all, but there's always things... I think there's always things that I could be working on. And I don't think there's a particular rush to get there. But I think being able to take an honest look at myself and ask, like, are there things that I can be doing better right now? Yeah, I like what you said a lot about being having that watchfulness and, and that inventory, that constant inventory, and knowing that you can find and sort of, I guess, as we move through this, this, um, this process more, is being able to understand and see the flow of contentment and weigh that out, and knowing that I'm okay with contentment now as sort of a, a reward uh, at this place in my life, and I'm okay with that, but knowing also that uh, um, I'm kind of a friend of angst, <laughs> and knowing that, you know, let's be honest, no, no great rock and roll song was ever really written from this wonderful peachy keen voice, right? <laughs> nope. They're all written from from the just from wanting to get a point out to get something, you know, change. A cry for change of some kind. So so we 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 know that flow with and that energy flow within us to say, okay, I'm ready. I'm right. Things have been really like you had said, Kyle. Um, this has been good. I've, you know, have I done this? Um, have I gone at the gym hard as hard as I can? Have I been a good enough husband? Have I showed up the way I, I truly could in all its dimensions? Or have I shortcutted somewhere? It, maybe it's time for me to take a really deeper look and sort of go back into the room there metaphorically, Alan, with the, the uh, closing the door and doing the, right. the well, deep I, search again. I you think know? it's okay it's like, to be content on occasion. Like absolutely. if you're on the path all the time, right? So if we go back to the path idea and you're just slogging full speed the whole yeah. time, right? You're going to get burned out. Yeah. 
This is so true. So I think yeah. that pausing and breathing is good. I mean, I think if you get like entropic and you're like, you know, you go to this low state of energy and you don't, you're like, well, I'm good now. It's going to devolve like entropy does to chaos, right? So your life's yeah. going to go to crap, back to crap. Mm-hmm. Right. But breathing once in a while, I mean, a shed, the snake will shed its skin what, once a year. Yeah. Right? So Has to. we've had this conversation about shedding skin. That's um, Nietzsche. Yeah. And then Nietzsche. And also, oh, Nietzsche. 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 So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, like you know, the funny is you and I had a conversation once about that. I think it was when I was still working. And uh, then that clash on shed your skin or shed the skin came on. Mm-hmm. And then right after we got a phone, we had just been discussing that. And I was like one of those little, you know, serendipitous kind of, wow, all right. So this reaffirms that it's time to shed my skin. And, right? and his quote was, the snake that cannot shed its skin will perish. Right. I've been there. I've been there, too, where, where yeah. I have procrastinated on shedding and I've suffered. Yeah. And that goes back, I mean, that's another metaphor for the dying, right? So, you know, die every night or die, you know. So, you know, I think you need to, you know, I, I think that a lot of times that this path becomes obsessive and pe- it becomes detrimental. Like, yeah. I, you know, like all these, like, People like, oh, you know, I got to go get my chakras aligned and this and that or whatever they got to do because they think that's the answer that someone's going to go lay hands on them and they're going to be okay, right? You know, or they're going to handle snakes or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever strange. You sit in a sweat log. Yeah. Right? You know, which might be great. It might be great. It might be what you need. It might be. Right? But, you know, all of that is not really internal right if it's not true to them right true to your nature yeah so you know i think that that's where you got to find balance right you can't be like well you know like i mountain bike and i went last week and i went to palmer park and it was rough like i hadn't ridden in there in forever it's super technical you know one of my legs doesn't work so when you hit the rock fields or you you know you get i get a little skittish and i i started beating myself up i'm like I could nail all this. I bombed down this stuff years ago. And I have a guy that I see all the time that tells me, tells people the story about how he saw me coming down this super rocky technical trail. And I was big and fat then. I was, a, you know, 270 pounds. And he was like, here's this giant dude coming down this thing without any fear. Yeah. And now I can't do it. And if, you know, like last week, I was just beating myself up the whole time. I got home. I'm like, man, I suck. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, you haven't done it forever. You had a pretty traumatic spinal injury that's sidelined you off the bike for a year, and now you have one leg that doesn't really work. So yeah. stop beating yourself up, right? Right. How long did that take before you turned from beating yourself up to compassionate? Was that a couple of days, or was was that like... Oh, I would say by the time I got home that day, I had some lunch. I was like, you know what, dude, whatever. A, number one, you're an old guy and you're still riding bikes. So most old guys aren't doing that. B, you hadn't done any of this kind of stuff in a couple years, whereas it used to be a weekly thing. Yeah. So I'm like, it'll be fine. Just go more often. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and I think that goes to anything. Like, especially with the path of trying to become a better person, it's very 
challenging because you open a lot of wounds. You have a lot of trauma that you're dealing with, and it's hard. Like, I don't want to deal with it's, that. It sucks. Yeah. I think I'll go way. crack a beer. You know, that, yeah. those years I was cracking beers, I never think about any of that. I just go yeah. out and party. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's a tough thing to, to look inside and, and learn to love yourself because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I did in my past. I'm like, oh, I get, I get like the oogies thinking of all the stuff <laughs> I did. I'm like, yeah. oh my, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. You know, but it was just bad decision making mm-hmm. and it was how I dealt with it was the way to deal with all the crap in my head that I didn't want to deal with like you did the best go out drink cause chaos yeah you know have people like you know I'd walk into especially in college I'd walk into a place and and I could just see everyone's eyes go oh my god he's here what's gonna happen yeah because I was like you said that the pupils yeah. dilating. Yeah, it's like people the Tasmanian like, oh, devil showing up, you know? Like, yes, it was. Yeah, you know, people it were really like, was. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and people were like, oh, no, you know? Yeah. And it was funny. You thought it was funny, right? Yeah. Like, this is great. I'm coming into causing all this chaos, but all I was doing was just projecting all that blackness that's inside of me out and making... What could have been a good situation, not that good. You know, I look back and right. like, well, it was kind of funny, but it wasn't, <laughs> you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a lot to be said for the fact that you come home, you have lunch, and then you start to even have this conversation in yeah. your head about almost like a, almost like a, like you're running back a, a, a motion picture of how did I do today? Right. Yeah. That, th- there's a lot, a tremendous amount to be said in that. Yeah. Right. And and that's a, it speaks volumes about self introspection. Yeah. And introspection. Like the, yeah. And the work that and, you've done. And the work right. that you've done, and yeah. that I think, well, is I think, the is the part where we, I, if there's any place to plug in the lighter mind when you when you maybe can see the proofs of your journey is where you have a deep deepened sense of uh, self-introspection and watch well, allowing yourself some yeah. grace you know and yeah and you know i think it goes to like i've been wanting to journal for years like i bought a journal years ago and i know it's really good at the end of the night to journal be introspective think about what you did Think about what you can do better. Maybe wake up the next morning after you've done your death over the night. Wake up. Okay, okay. Here's what I did yesterday. And this is what I needed to learn or grow from. But I don't know. Why haven't I done it? Is it fear? Probably. That's one of my big things. I, my, I, I have a lot of fear, you know. Um, so, but I try to do that with everything. What could I have done better? Yeah. You know. Yeah. What, what, what or... If I'm reactive, why did I? Why yeah. did I do that? Yeah. What caught? What triggered that? Right. And you know, like for me, I had my one of my biggest coping things was eating. Like, it was bad. Like I would get in an argument as a child. You know, I get scolded by a parent, and I'd go and eat. Yeah. And then as an adult, my wife and I would get in an argument. Even if we had dinner, I would go right to the fridge and start eating. Like, it's self-soothing, right? It's like, um, 
And then that's why I stopped weighing myself at 280-some pounds, because... <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's that's it, right? It was disgusting. Yeah, I it. But, and I, whenever I see really heavy people, mm-hmm. uh, my first question is, what's their trauma? Yeah. Like, I don't judge yeah. them. I to think, wow, you suck. You know, you have no self-control. I was there. I had plenty of self-control, but I didn't have self-control when it came to dealing... Well, I don't even know if it was, I didn't have self-control when dealing with my trauma. I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Right? So you're like, it's just normal. Like, I'm just going to eat. Um, and it's terrible. I mean, I look back at that. And I still do it now. Like, I'd say in the last few months, I got in an argument with my wife, maybe, somebody. And I immediately went to the fridge. Yeah. And now it's like, well, I'm going to just give myself one little item, like, a cheese stick or, you know, so that I'm not like piling a giant yeah, plate of food. Out. Yeah. You know? yeah, that makes um, sense. So we all have our own way of coping with the trauma, mm-hmm. but it's not healthy, right? And what I think the lighter mind thing is we're all trying to work on a way to deal with our trauma in a healthy, healthy way rather than drinking drugs, food. Um, you know, and mine was... I didn't really, I don't think my drinking was necessarily a trauma thing because I just stopped. Yeah. You know, I can have a beer. I don't crave them. I like the taste. I was in the industry for 26 years. So yeah. to me, but I don't enjoy it. I don't like the way it makes me feel anymore. Um, you know too much. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, I read this week that, that anything over 20 milliliters of alcohol a week is really detrimental to your health. Which is basically one beer. It's like seventeen. One average beer has about seventeen mils of of pure alcohol in it. So you have one beer a week. Anything beyond that, not so good for you. Yeah. You know. So, but the eating for me was my coping mechanism, and now and then once I realized, once I started on the journey, and found a way of eating that was good for me and made me feel good and Mm -hmm. lose weight. Then and I was working on myself at the same time, so it was a synergistic thing. Like, yeah, you know, trying to make a better person. You know, I mean, I I lay down on the path at least once a week because it's easy to get back in that rut. Yeah, you know, and I have a very sharp tongue, and if someone slights me, it's quick. Yeah, and I learned, you know, when when Chris and I were working with the at risk teens. The biggest thing I taught all of them, and, and it's tough to keep for yourself, is that whole thing between thought and expression, right? You've got time between when you think something and when you react on it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would tell those kids, count to 10. If someone says something to you that angers you mm-hmm. or makes you want to lash out, count to 10, breathe, and then decide if it's worth that. Yeah. Most of the times you're going to find it's not. It's not worth whatever, punching somebody in the face, yeah, yeah, whatever really your, your go-to um, way of lashing out yeah. is. So, and, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, I think Victor Frankl talks about that, you know, that whole, like, that pause. And that pause is so key yeah. to um, that chair something. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Well, no, I can I completely agree. And so one of the things that I was I was thinking about as you were talking 
is this level of introspection that I see with with the three of us. And I know that Crow and I, we've, we've had conversations about what it means to actually dig and to be able to understand yourself, be watchful, be mindful of how you're showing up. And what I really wanted to ask you guys is, what do you think it actually takes for a person to get to that point? Not to necessarily get to that point, but to be able to have the ability to be able to dig within themselves, to have this level of introspection. Like, what is, like, how has that actually showed up in your guys' life? Honesty. 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 Yeah, because a person can dig, but they can continue to dig and, you know, see a replay mm-hmm. of my day right. or you and continue to make yeah, excuses or for that, myself. whatever you're digging is not the right place to be digging, you know? Yes. So, um, for me, I think it's being inquisitive. I've always, like, questioned everything. Mm-hmm. And I think I started really questioning my perception of the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I think wow. everyone sees... Yeah. I think most people think that they know the answers and they know the world and they've got it dialed in. And I think the problem is, and when you start, when, when reality and your perception of reality don't jive is when people start really having issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying, okay, well, I'm going to be inquisitive about this. You're like, well, everyone else is wrong. And I'm going to just drink so that I don't have to realize how stupid. <laughs> you're you know, right. Yeah, you're wrong. You all are crazy. Yeah, so I'm um, the only right. sane one in the right. world. So, to me, I think that for mine was being inquisitive. Just was part of my nature. And instead of being inquisitive about the outside world, I decided to look at inside. So I'm hearing that it took so it's it's within your nature is what I heard Alan say. What what do you think it took for you, Crow, to like get to that point of learning? How, like, what was your process of learning how to be introspective and to be honest with yourself, as you were saying? When uh, a lot of what it speaks into, I got to piggyback off Alan. It's where you just you have to have that moment where you realize. Everything I thought was right is wrong. Because, ultimately, I am not myself. And, and something's got to give. Something's got to change because not only am I not happy, but it, it extends far beyond that. I, this is not who I am supposed to be. And you have almost, I guess you could say, in sort of that existential crisis where you're going, how, my God... You know, to quote David Byrne, my God, how did I get here? You know, Mm -hmm. and you really are like retracing. Now you're, you get to that moment when there is, there is less fear in moving into the unknown than there is to go back. Because you know, unequivocally, that wasn't where you were supposed to be anyhow. Mm -hmm. You know, you have only into the abyss to go. And that is where I, I, and if you don't know what it's going to be like, mm-hmm. because I, it's beyond my, my, um, it's beyond my knowingness. Mm-hmm. It's beyond my known knowingness. Um, then, then 
something has to change. And that's my perception of how I have viewed the past. So I like when you mention perception because we want and we would like things to change, but they're not going to change in reality and in truth. So what has to change is my perception. Am I staying on that topic? No, you're on you're on that topic and it, I guess that's how I I knew for me. Yeah, that it's, it's just there's no way around it. And yeah. the world can't be wrong. It, the world altogether cannot be wrong. Yeah. And and why, you know, I'm so unhappy. Yeah. And unfulfilled. I'm not Reaching my full potential. Yeah, at some point we play a role in mm-hmm. our own suffering. I think we really do. And so the the another question pertaining to that is, we we've we've talked a whole lot about shedding like the layers of ourselves. Did this whole level of honesty and and um, this insight that you have gained about yourself did that? come up with each different layer did it get deeper and deeper or did you just have this burning bush moment where you woke up one day and you were like i need to dig deeper into myself i need to be introspective i need to be able to acknowledge where i'm at or have you just gained more knowledge about yourself and have you learned how to dig deeper along the way both of you i think for me i did have sort of a burning bush moment yeah what was that um well, it was it's difficult to explain, but I think one could honestly say that I um, had, as I as I looked back on it and studied what had happened to me, as I think I'd laid down on the couch and I had a near death, yeah, um, where my heart was fluttering. But prior to waking up on the couch and just stopping the fluttering. It was like a, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I'm not a a nurse practitioner. I don't understand what was happening, but my heart was doing something that it had never done before or since, but it was fluttering. It wasn't beating fast. And I've been told by some people that that may have been the, the first stages of a, yeah. I don't know, but, uh, some sort of heart, yeah. heart attack, and it really made you take an honest and, look at yourself. And well, you what at. had happened is I had had a sort of a th- in that moment on the couch. I had an out of body, and I remember as I was waking up, the body reemerging and into me in three different ways. But prior to that, I saw very clearly me going into the clouds and just loving it. Yeah. And it was awesome and I and I remember distinctly saying this must be what it's like to die. Yeah. And in that moment it's almost as if I recognized I. Yeah. And I woke up in that moment. And yeah, I woke up in that. But I I don't know there was definitely a, a sense of almost uh, like I was so close to that. And I and I ruined it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ruined it. I could have been there, you know. Yeah. All those people have NDEs, and they they spoke to to the divine, and they spoke to the source. They spoke to God, and uh, 
understand uh, just how how beautiful it was, and they didn't want to come back. Well, I didn't get that. Yeah. And I chickened out. I thought so for about a couple weeks. I really, uh, I really was kind of kicking myself very, very hard. Yeah. For chickening out in that moment, but since that time, I, I think I, I had sort of a different outlook and a different. Um, I don't. I didn't wake up with any, you know, big messages for you, <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. Uh, but I did come back uh, from that, wake up from that, with a sense of uh, ease yeah. and fearlessness that said, "All right, man, you, this is this is this is fun. We're gonna dig, and we're gonna go on yeah. this uh, journey." And since that time, it's just been. Sort of the new the new way. It's just a, it just readjust the compass, if you will. Absolutely. For me. And it's been nothing but insightfulness, not, not inquisitiveness. Yeah. And if it's not on that informational journey that's feeding that stream, you know, much to to you know a lot of people's boredom. <laughs> um, it just kind of doesn't interest yeah. me. I have a, you know, it. I, I really enjoy the the knowledge quest. Yeah. And then Alan was on the same journey at the same moment. Yeah. And so it was yeah. just like a constant feed. He and I back and forth. Yeah. And yeah. Hey, you should, you know, you should read this book. And I'm like, oh yeah. And yeah. I yeah. Shoot him. Well, that made me think, and I just looked it up. This Marcus Aurelius quote. He's like, "Think of yourself as dead. You've lived your life. Now take what's left and live it properly. What doesn't transmit light creates its own darkness." Ooh, right? that's pretty good. Yeah, that's great. So that yeah. was kind of is it out moment. of the meditations? Yeah, it's in meditation. Nice. So that kind of you know that's kind of what happened to you, right? Like yeah. you're there and and you died. The old you died on that. The old me, yes. You know, I mean, physically you may have died. I mean, physically you may have died, but you may have. Yeah, you might have. I might have. I was pretty, (laughs) and it scared me. There was definitely a lot of fear when I woke up because it was like, oh. But you know, metaphorically, you died, and then this whole new you came because I knew the you from when we were young, Mm -hmm. and. then, you know, there's a lot of years where you were gone, and then you came back, and that you... That me was a, a messed, a messed yeah, up. It was bad. It was yeah. bad. I was in the throes. Yeah, yeah was I was in the throes of my and alcoholism. Then, you know, and, and, and then, you know, you shed that skin, which was a poisonous skin, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now this skin. So, but... You'll keep shedding. We'll all keep shedding. Right? Yeah, keep let's shedding. hope so. And hopefully, I mean, I think everyone wants, that's on these kind of journeys, wants to go down that path to enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, which is really the goal, right? Like, you want you want to be this person that people look at and they're like, I want to be like him. I want, yeah. I want there's this, they're at ease, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's this aura about them that's like, you get wow! I want to be that way. Yeah. You know, like what is it? And there's an energy, right? And then, you know, to me, it's like I was like, "What's your deal?" 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's with the energy? The yeah, you know, like, you know, and, and it's rare that you meet those people because because most people are so wrapped up in their day to day lives and all the crap you have to deal with in the modern world. You can't go sit on a rock and think about life and, yeah. and where you want to be. So, um, and I I don't remember you always being of this nature either, Alan. I remember. What 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 was your deal? And I remember you when I moved back. Uh, um, you were you were heavy. Yeah. You were heavy, yeah. and you just uh, what is, what is that story? You looked at a picture of yourself <laughs> <laughs> that somebody had taken, and uh, uh, it looked like I was in one of those sumo suits. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I actually ran across actually on this on this computer. There's yeah. a bunch of <laughs> Fat Allen pictures. <laughs> so, and what what happened there? Yeah, what'd what you was, do? What was that breaking point right there? Uh, I think it was, we were going out to California to visit a friend, and I looked at my wife before we left, and I had actually lost probably 15 pounds before that, because I just, he's super healthy, in shape, um, and I'm like, oh, and I just looked at my wife, and I felt terrible. I mean, I woke up every day. I would drink beer, I'd overeat, um, I'd still exercise, I'd still work out and ride bikes, ride my bike to work every day, but I just felt terrible. And I said, if we, if I don't change how I'm living, I'd rather be dead. Like There you go. That's okay. A, that's a deep breaking point. Yeah. This yeah. is exactly. Yeah. And I was just, yeah. so I got back and I started a deep dive on nutrition and, and I had tried so many different diets over the years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, what really stuck for me was this ancestral kind of like how we evolved to eat. And from there, I started feeling healthier, and then I wanted my brain to be healthier, and I wanted my relationships to be healthier. Mm -hmm. So um, I think about that right before that, my wife and I had gone to, to counseling because we stopped communicating, and my trauma and fear of abandonment built these walls, so I was always sure she was leaving me which, you know, I know now that she never would. And it made me want to become a better husband. Once I started getting in better shape and feeling, like, healthy and getting blood work done and everything was super normal, I was like, wow, this is great. So, you know, the next step was to work on my inner self, yeah. you know. And then this back injury happened, which threw me back a little bit, you know, so... You know, but everyone I talked to when I was going through all this was like, you have such a good attitude. You know, if I had lost the, one of my ability to use one of my legs, I'd be really angry. I'm like, you know, I leaned on Aurelius then, you know, and Stoics in general. <laughs> and I would just like, man, love your fate. This is my fate. So yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, I can't fight it. I can't argue with my leg and tell it it's coming back to life. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do I live a life that I enjoy? even though I have a disability now. I'm, and, you know, I still do pretty much everything I want to. And sometimes it's challenging. Like, you know, yeah. just getting up in the middle of the night to take a leak, you got to really concentrate on walking or you're going to fall down. Yeah. Or right. you catch your foot because you don't feel it on yeah. the edge of a, a carpet and you fall down. So, yeah. you know, there's little things like, well, this sucks. 
but I wake up every day and I'm alive, and I think of all the people that I grew up with that I've that have died. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was, you're grateful for where you're at. Right. You know, you know, earlier, this is what's fascinating is earlier in our conversation, I, I was talking about this journey of wrapping language mm-hmm. around this. So, so do, doing always studying and wanting to know more. And half the time it goes back to that Mino, um, I think of that Aristotle talked about, I think is that we, we were born all knowing yeah. And it's a process of, uh, or before birth, and it's a process, life is not a process of gathering knowledge, it's a, prob- a process of remembering kind of thing. Um, that's worthy of some research or questioning me on that one. Yeah, I, I, but But anyway, what was happening in my process is, is as I'm going into my sobriety, I started to, because I didn't have therapy and I didn't have any... Um, uh, recovery centers, nothing other than just a smaller in-town program. And I started just coming to the realization after some of these more spiritual experiences uh, of Alan and I were running parallel. We didn't know it. I didn't, we didn't realize it at the time, but what I started to come across was radical ownership. Radical ownership. I'm owning everything. I'm owning my past trauma. I'm owning it. And by owning it now, it puts me on top of my victimhood dung pile that I built all the secretions and cultural, you know, um, uh, uh, standards and everything else, parental standard, everything. I piled them up on my pile, my mound of, uh, that I was defending of victimhood. And by, by me owning it all now, very first time in a very radical way I could redraw the boundaries and I could start to see but the, <laughs> metaphorically the view became much greater if I'm on top right of this yeah. mound of my stuff instead of being on the bottom and and uh, right about that time I would I would go over to Alan's and he'd be talking about stoicism that he was totally into yeah and I said, "My God, I think I've stumbled on your guy, your your this Aurelius fella." So he would lay all that on me, you know, the Stoics of just. And you I know. think it, a lot of it is what resonates with you, you know. Like I've read Bhagavad Gita, I read the Tibetan Book of the Dead, all that stuff when I was younger, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." But once I started really getting into the stoicism, um, it really, that resonated with me. So I'm like, okay, this works for me. Again, it's like eating. Like some people can be a vegan and be healthy, apparently. Um, But I've tried vegetarianism. It was terrible. I just got fatter. I tried all these things. Just got fatter, you know. So I find what worked for me. And I think that's really the key. Like what worked for Kyle, what works for Chris what works for everyone else. Everyone's got a different, all our paths are all kind of hopefully leading to the same little spot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and I can't, you know, people are like, well, what did you do? What did you do? I'm like, you know, I have a good friend who's very heavy. And, uh, when I lost all this weight, one of our other friends said, Hey man, you should do what Alan does. 
And he was like, I know how to lose weight. And the guy was like, yeah, but he knows how to gain it better, right? <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. so, you know, what works for me, you know, worked. Yeah. But I'm not, and, and, and if people ask, I'm, I'm not going to proselytize about it. Right. You need to do this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if people ask me, hey, how did this happen? I tell them. And I've helped a lot of people. Like yeah. at least three or four people lost a lot of weight. And then, you know, they're like, okay, what's next? So we'd work on this. And like, wow, my marriage is the best it's ever been. Thank you for doing this. And I, and I suck it up too, right? Like this whole attachment theory book that I'm working through now, you know, a friend of mine told me about Ooh. it. And then now that's helping me. So it, yeah. he said it made his relationship with his girlfriend, which was, you know, tumultuous. And they were having a hard time connecting. Once they both realized what their style was, they could work through things better, communicate better, and yeah. say, okay, I'm not going to put up this wall of defense or fear or whatever. Um, so I'm always, you know, like, okay, what works for you? And sometimes people are like, this was the greatest thing ever, and I'll read it, and like, it doesn't resonate. It doesn't yeah. resonate, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you need to find your... Yeah, that path, right? Yeah. Again, it's like your path. Your yeah. path. Yeah. And you can't take, I'm not going to be on either of your, we're, we have the same goals, but none of us are on the same path. Mm-hmm. I mean, our paths may intersect, and that's like, you know, right. they the did. stoicism yeah, thing, like they... all of a sudden we were on the path and our two paths merged, and like, wow, this is really enlightening for both of us. Mm-hmm. But now they've, they've diverged, mm-hmm. because you're doing this, and I'm reading whatever, or whatever I'm working on, and they may hit again, and your path and my path would cross, yeah. so, you know, and that's where, you know, you find these like, kindred spirits and you're like wow this is great and people might come into your life temporarily and like feed you some you know feed this need or shine the light in the part of your darkness that you can't seem to illuminate and they may leave or they may be with you forever right Mm -hmm. so yeah that's that double helix image yeah there is a lot of coming together in community communitas and then there's a lot of alone work, right? And right. That we have to go into, and that's yeah. Not and there's that. That's another thing either for know, a lot of us. The fear of being alone. People don't like a lot of people. I love being alone. Me too. You know. Yeah. Um, but I, never, people, I never did. Right. I never did prior to that. Yeah. Prior to. See, I always since I was little, I loved being alone. I still do. I yeah. probably don't dislike social things or being around people as much as I did when I was younger. Like I just didn't like it. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is kind of divergent, but you know, I remember years ago saying how people in the West, especially men, this Dalai Lama said this, you know, they always have to have noise because they don't want to be alone with their thoughts. And so, you know, my wife went on vacation a couple of weeks ago and she said everyone that she was spending time with had TV on from the minute they woke up until they went to bed. Mm-hmm. There's a topic for a, probably yeah. next week's discussion yeah. right there. Is you got I pulled up from this attachment noise, mm. just noise in general. Yeah, how to st- silence that? I'm sorry. Right. No, it's good. You. you know. Yeah. But you know, and I think what happens is then, say you turn off the TV or mm-hmm. the radio or the music. And then the chatter in your head is unbelievable, right? Like, we all have it. Mm-hmm. The little freaking monkey mind talking yeah. to you, like, bah, 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 bah. you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and you're like, 
please stop, please stop, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, and I was super into mindfulness, was I just wanted the chattering to stop. And I got to the point where I could sit without a thought for like 45 minutes. It was unbelievable. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. I haven't thought of anything. And we had this conversation years ago when you were first starting after getting sober and you were trying to meditate and you were talking about how all the thoughts just kept entering your head. And I told you, look at them like clouds and just like blow them away, you know, because they're just, they're little clouds in your head and you can just like make them go away. Like, okay. Or you accept them, right? Like, yeah. like, all right, here's the thought, and there it goes. It's in one side, out the other. Yep. And you're just, you don't dwell on it. You're like, there's a thought. It came, it left. But people don't want to, A, have the thoughts, and B, they don't know how to, you know. It's like you're stuck between stations, right, yeah. on the radio. Like, I, I, I just want, you know, like, well, one of these songs or the other will be fine, but I can't stand both. But the best solution sometimes just turn the radio off. Yeah. Right? And that's tough because then you're like, oh, boy. And that's stage <laughs> yeah. number one. Yeah, and now you're yourself. sitting there with nothing but yourself. And that's more frightening than having yeah. than all the drone. But you you said two things. You said most people don't uh, want to and most people don't know how. Well, they, they, or they, they want to, but they don't know how. So that, that there's... Distinctly, everybody wants to. Everybody wants peace yeah. at some point. They just we just don't know how to do it. So um, that's that's the big trick. Is I mean, when you were telling me those stories with the clouds, Alan, I do remember that. And I was like, kind of much to my defense now. Mm-hmm. To anybody out there that's fresh in their recovery uh, from addiction. I was about a month or two or three months in and I was telling Alan to get stuffed when he was when he was uh, trying to explain these clouds and meditation stuff to me and I and I thought this there's just absolutely no way this is happening and then it finally I just kept practicing because much to well, it is a practice. I mean, I, I would say All the most enlightened practice. person in the world would tell you it's a practice. Yeah. You know, you're never done. You're never like, okay, I'm here. I'm enlightened. <laughs> no. <laughs> Look no, at me. No, no, well, I can never. levitate, whatever. No, yeah, you can't. So it's ever. always a practice, right? You're going to just keep going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to die. Yeah. I mean, that's how, that's, that's really the reality is we're all here, you know, on a long enough timeline. Everything dies. Yeah. No, another topic for another time. <laughs> then we, I want to get to the impermanence. And the, oh, the impermanence. Yeah, and the just impermanence. letting go. Yeah. Just, you know, which... Well, Kyle, it's probably time to split. Yeah, I think listening to you two converse has been just fascinating. Well, I and think I'm, it's I'm, all three of us. I mean, I, it yeah, is all they, three they of us. Input, I think right? You know, your question yeah. is good. Conversation's good. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad we did this. I'm really yeah. glad we did this, and I and I really hope everyone listening um, gained some experience, strength, and hope, and some maybe learned something, had a laugh or two, and you know, I'm really, I'm really glad that this is this is our journey right now. Right. And so the way that 
I wanted to wrap up and that we wanted to wrap up the Lighter Mind podcast is to discuss three gratefuls. So let's see, Alan, what are your three gratefuls today? I'm grateful for you guys. You know, this was a, a really great experience. You know, I always get some anxiety before things like this just because I got this like perfectionist brain, you know, um, but it turned out great. This was a great conversation. Um, I'm grateful for this old dog laying next to us here and oh. that the other two were barking incessantly. Yeah. 16-year-old well. ladies just laying here being quiet. She's always been the, uh, you know, whenever we do any kind of recording, music, mm-hmm. anything, she kind of just likes to hang out and she's got good energy. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful she's still with us. You know, yep. Time is short, but she'll, she'll be here for a while longer. Yep. Yes, ma'am. And then uh, I'm just grateful that I can wake up every day and, you know, try to live this life. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Crow, where are you at, man? Where are you grateful? For? You know, I'm, I am I got to piggyback there. I got to steal Alan's. I'm grateful for you guys. I was just mm-hmm. not apprehensive, but I was coming over to the house today thinking, boy, well, I don't know what to talk about today, but... I just kind of threw my hands up when I got to the door and said, you know, all I have to do is trust and just let it go. And these two, you guys have guided, just guided this whole thing. And I just want to thank you for that. Um, it's been great. I, I, you know, I'm grateful for my health. Always grateful for my health. I just, I, I just feel great every day. And uh, so what is it, Alan? Good health is upon me. I'm not healthy. Good health is always upon me, and I just love that. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the the weather lately. I've been getting out as much as I can, even sometimes late at night when my apartment's not cooling down, and some people would be miserable. But for me, it's... Nothing wrong with a midnight walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should be getting some sleep, yeah. but I can't. So I'm doing the, you know, and it's just beautiful. I just yeah. love the, the the weather. So yeah. I love nature, love the weather. So that's about me, Kyle. What about you? What are your three gratefuls? You guys both stole it, but my, my first grateful is I'm, I'm grateful... For you guys, of course, but I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to do something like this um, with two like-minded individuals and whoever we have on as guests. Like I'm, I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. This is such a cool opportunity um, for me because I've never been a part of something um, like this before. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. I I'm incredibly grateful for. Um, my engagement, my fiance, and that things were we're we're starting to really work through um, the the stress of being engaged, which is um, it's a it's a hell of a time so far. But we're we're really starting to peg down some things and alleviate some of the stress and kind of figure that out together. And that's um, I'm really excited for the future to see what that looks like and. I'm I'm grateful for laughter today. I think I yeah. think I get so caught up in my own stuff sometimes, and I forget to laugh. And 
I, I, I forget about the magic that is laughter. And I think that that is, that's so good for me and to be able to sit here and joke around and, you know, I think that's, that's really good for me. I think it is. I, I hear you on that one. Mm-hmm. I do. I do. That's, that's kind of the biggest fun. Yeah. Well, I try to laugh at a lot anymore. Like, yeah. That's you know, like, and I think it probably annoys my wife. She'll be like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, just laughing. Just, <laughs> it's it's you don't want to know. Yeah. It's so important. Yeah, yes, it is, know, man. Because there's so many things you can't control, right? And if you get wound up in it, it's like, well, this sucks. But if you laugh about it, you're like, yeah. oh, whatever, man. This crap's happening yeah, to me. Absolutely. So what? Absolutely. You can this, never take it too seriously. This is why you hang out at Allen's, man. Yeah, that's yeah. a great way to end us today, yeah. dude. Just know. You know, always the stoic, right on style. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to the Lighter Mind Podcast. And join us on our next episode. And I hope you enjoyed your time with us today. Yeah, yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Take care. All right, who's got the bowl? Kyle, pass me the bowl.